Okay, grabbeth thee thy Bible. Grabbeth thou? I'm not sure. My King James grammar is not that great. <laughs> Open to Matthew chapter 5. Got a really, really special Father's Day message for you guys. You're going to love this. Blessed are the meek. <laughs> okay, so by the way, Father's Day, men, thank you for your service. <laughs> Best way to put that. Uh, so guys, Ladies, you just get to tag along, and you're like, uh, get to come along for the ride today. This is, this is to the men. You've got a son, and you're going to teach him how to be a man, right? You're teaching your son how to be a man. There are some practical skills you teach him. How to shake a hand, right? Stick your hand out like this. Grab firmly. Don't, don't do this. You know, don't crush, but be strong and, and, and hold it for, I don't know, there's a count. I don't know what the official count is, but I just hold it for long enough. You know. Yeah, you teach him how to, how to shake hands. You teach him how to make a fist, right? I remember being a little kid wanting to get in a fight, and I wasn't sure what to do with my thumb. And, and someone had told me, if you do this, if you hit him, it'll poke him in the eye. <laughs> and then, then someone else said, no, if you do that, you'll break your thumb. So then I wrapped my thumb up in there. And they said, no, if you do that, you'll break your thumb. So you take your thumb, and by the way, this is the pastor giving punching advice at, at church. Uh, one day, one day, this is going back a ways. This is, this is actually now with one of my sons. This is the three foster girls were in the car with us. We're coming back from Spokane, and they were playing slug bug. Right? And they were just wailing on each other. I said, girls, you hit each other that hard, you're going to hurt yourself. Let me show you how to hit. And so I was giving this little thing, and, I, and, I, and I'm driving. Right? I'm right going by Fairchild. And I'm saying, and you take your fist like this, and you just throw it out. And I connected with the windshield, and it cracked. <laughs> I said, proof of point. But, but the story ends with the insurance agent saying, yes, we insure stupidity. <laughs> You, you teach him how to do that, right? You teach him how to lift heavy objects. And guys, it's really frustrating. If you've never tried to teach a child how to lift heavy, heavy objects, you show them how to get down. By the way, as you get, the, the, you're supposed, you, lift with, you know you lift with your knees, not with your back, right? Except as you get older, your knees don't want to lift either. But, but you go down like this, you keep your back straight, you grab it, and you lift. And here's what kids always do. They watch you, they go, hey, and they go down like this, and they do this and lift. <laughs> and it's like, no, you did exactly. I'm afraid they're going to get hurt. I try not to teach that one anymore. Right? We teach them manly skills. We teach them things that we think a man ought to know. Those are the, the practical skills. And then there's the character skills. Right? We want to teach them character. We teach them be honest. Have integrity. Mean what you say and say what you mean. Live up to your word. If you say it, you do it. Treat women with respect, right? We, we, we tell them that. Be brave. Be respectful. Work for a living. Look a man in the eye when you talk to him, right? Uh, these things are all things that we want to teach our children. We want our sons to grow up to do that. But never has... It, ha, ha, I, I, maybe I'm wrong. How many of you guys have said, now, son, I want you to remember this especially be meek. I hear crickets, <laughs> right? It's not one of the manly skills we teach. It's not something we aspire for our kids to, our kids to come into. Uh, it, it's not on the list we're te teaching him to do. And so today, on Father's Day of all days, we're looking at this beatitude, blessed are, mine says gentle here. Yours may say meek. It may say something else, but gentle and meek are the big ones, for they will inherit the earth. And, and we're going to look at what Jesus said what he really asks of us to be meek and gentle. And by the way, guys, by the time we're finished, I think you'll be okay with this. I think you will be pleased with what we find uh, under this uh, blessed are the meek. 
First thing I'm going to do is I'm going to challenge your understanding of the word meek. Okay, uh, because we picture we picture this little marshmallow of a man, right? I picture this little skinny bent over guy saying, yes, dear. <laughs> By the way, yes, dear are the two most important words in your vocabulary, man. But, uh, you know, I picture this henpecked guy. I picture him spineless. I picture him cowardly. Uh, o. Henry uh, is a name. You probably know the name. Maybe you don't know if you've read his stuff or heard his stuff. But O. Henry was a famous American writer of short stories. Now, I was going to go back and reread this story. It's been a few years since I read it. Uh, but O. Henry wrote, one of the stories he wrote is The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. They recently made a movie out of that, and, and I've watched the movie. It's kind of fun, but, but uh, in the book, O. Henry is this little man who tags along with his wife. He's outside the store, and he's having these tremendous adventures in his mind, but in his life, he never does anything. He's this little, quiet, meek, mousy little man, and guys, we all aspire to that, don't we? <laughs> no, we, we don't. This is not what we think. Uh, meekness is not considered to be masculine. By the way, Mo, uh, Secret Life of Walter is made fun. You should read it sometime. It doesn't take very long. It's a short story. But uh, meekness is not masculine. Uh, one of the reasons men don't go to church, or at least don't go to church as much as women, is that church is considered to be a not masculine place. It's a place where, where manly men don't go. I happen to have a book. I brought it up here. Can you read the title from there? Why Men Hate Going to Church. And it shows a guy against the pew like this. <laughs> and, and this book has been really helpful for me. I'm going to read just a small section of it. This section is called, Where Are the Manly Men? Although males have not completely abandoned the church, many manly men like Cliff have all but disappeared. Guys, by the way, how many of you are upset right now? Okay. You say, boy, if we weren't talking about being meek, I'd go find this author and take him out. Right? <laughs> Okay, good, good. I'm not, I, we're not done. <laughs> he says, tough, earthy, working guys rarely come to church. By the way, that's the only kind of guys we have around here, isn't it? <laughs> it's like, it's like uh, you got to be kidding me. Anyway, he says, high achievers, alpha males, risk takers, visionaries are in short supply. Fun lovers and adventurers are also underrepresented in a church. These rough and tumble men don't fit in with the quiet, introspective gentlemen who populate the church today. The truth is, most men in the pews grew up in church. Many of these lifers come not because they desire to be transformed by Christ, but because they enjoy participating in comforting rituals that have changed little since their childhood. There are also millions of men who attend services under duress, dragged by a mother, wife, or girlfriend. Today's church-going man is humble, tidy, dutiful, and above all, nice. Okay, guys, do you just feel honored? How many? You, I, I'm not going to ask how many of you want to walk out now because I don't want to. I shouldn't put that idea in your brains. Uh, you know what? That's why men hate going to church, and that is what a lot of church is like. And it's not what it's supposed to be, but that's one of the things we envision when we read, "Blessed are the meek," and we get this impression of of this meek little mousy guy. Guys, if you want to punch this guy in the nose, uh, you're not the man he's talking about, so you're okay. Right? If you're back there saying, yes, he's right, <laughs> you know, then, then ew. <laughs> it's like, I don't know what to do with you. Uh, I don't want to shake your hand on the way out because you're going to do this. You know, and it's, it's, uh, if you just accept it and say he must be right, then I want to tell you this. You've taken meekness beyond what the Bible is asking you to. That is not what the Bible is asking you to do. Uh, that's our impression of meekness. 
but it's not what Jesus is asking us to be. Jesus does not look for henpecked, spineless, cowardly men who wish they could be bold but never will. That is not the kind of person Jesus wants. God used David. God used Moses. God used Noah and Peter. These were bold guys who could speak and they could act, and we'd better figure this meekness thing out if we want to get this right. Okay. So first thing I want to say is meek doesn't mean meek. Okay. Now, red flags should go up when I say that. Because you say, my Bible says meek. You're saying meek doesn't mean meek. Anytime someone starts explaining to you why the Bible doesn't mean what it says it means, you, that red flag should go up. You should be alarmed. Okay. Now, having said that, I'm, I, I told you I'm going to say. Now, I told you not to trust me in what I say. Okay. Unless I can really, really do a good job of proving my point. I'm going to show two examples, one teaching, and I'm going to go outside the Bible to Aristotle and talk about this word meek. Okay, so, so uh, meek doesn't mean meek. The first off, the Greek word we're talking about here, and I know nobody cares, it's praes or praus, depending on what you are. Here's what the complete word study dictionary has to say about the word. This is a dictionary, it's about that thick, right, of the, just the New Testament words, right? Uh, and, and, it, and it says a lot of different things. It, says, it, says, it starts out with this, it is not readily expressed in English. If you've ever learned a foreign language, you find out there are things that are better said in one language than another. That's why, why uh, French is, is a good romance language and German is not. Right? Is it, is it je vous aime? Is that French? Je vous aime. German, ich liebe du. <laughs> Starts out with ich. <laughs> oh, baby. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. This word meekness, this word meek does not translate well from, from Greek to, to English. It, it's not a word that translates well. And that's what he says. It is not readily expressed in English since the term meekness suggests weakness. But it uh, is a condition of the heart and mind which demonstrates gentleness, not in weakness, but in power. Okay. Now, how do we know the definition of ancient words anyway? You know, the, 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 the modern dictionary is a modern thing, right? Uh, they, they did have dictionaries. I, I did some checking dictionaries back in the ancient days, but they weren't anything like our modern dictionaries. And, and it's not like you can dig them up and find, you know, look up your words alphabetically and get all these kind of things. So how do we know them? It's by the people who study them today, read them in context, and they get familiar with them, and they're able to go back from that and make a definition. That's how dictionaries were, your definitions were come up with in the first place, is working backwards. Here's this word. Here's how we use it. Here we're going to write in a definition so that someone who comes across Cross it can, can, can come to read it. Which, by the way, a little curiosity. Have you ever thought about this? The word dictionary could be, re, uh, that, that actually means pronunciary, right? It tells you how to say the word. The, the dictionary means how to say it, not what it means. It should be definitionary, but it's, you know, what it is. Then we're not going to change it unless I have more power than I think. Uh, but, but we don't, so we, for ancient words, we come, from, we come to definitions almost always from context. But every now and then, we find a word that someone ancient talked about. And Aristotle happened to talk about this exact word. And, and here's what Aristotle said about it. He says, it is the middle standing between two extremes. The extremes are getting angry without reason and not getting angry at all. And he defines the word in terms of its relationship to anger. The person who, who, who gets angry for no reason is not meek. But the person who can't get angry at all is not meek either. We go, but that's what meek means. Yeah, that's what it means to us. 
That's why the word does not translate well into English. Uh, it, we don't have a word that means that. We might say even-tempered or something like that, but, but we don't have a word that, that means exactly this meekness. But I love that picture because it's the guy, it's not the guy who gets, flies off the handle so easily. We, we all handle that. But the guy, we, we picture it is the guy who never gets angry at all. He's got that, that control, and it's not, the, not what he's saying. That's what Aristotle says. He says, therefore, uh, preutes, the word, is getting angry at the right time in the right measure and for the right reason. Right? That's the quote. And that's obviously a translation of Aristotle. He didn't write it in English. <laughs> but, but getting angry at the right time, in the right measure, and for the right reason. And guys, right now, are you a little bit more comfortable with Jesus and blessed are the meek? It's like, oh, thank you. <laughs> I, I thought I was going to have to sit through the worst Father's Day sermon ever. <laughs> now it's, it's, you may have, still have to sit through it, but it hopefully isn't so bad. Okay? Gentle or meek are adequate translations of the word. But they're, they're not the best. Neither one actually means, because neither one of them actually means a lack of courage or a lack of strength or a back, lack of backbone, but we imply those things. Uh, it, it, they they, they kind of have the idea of those things under control is what they're supposed to have. But let's look at a couple of examples of meekness in the Bible. Uh, Numbers 12, verse 3. You don't have to turn there if you don't want. I'm just going to read one verse. Uh, we're talking about Moses here. Now, Moses is an interesting guy. There's things about Moses that we just know hardly anything about, but we know that they happened. For instance, Moses married, uh, appears to be his second wife. I could be wrong. Uh, maybe, maybe the Moabite he married first was, was a, also a Cushite, uh, probably means a black woman. Okay. Then Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Cushite woman whom he had married, for he married a Cushite woman, and they said, Is it a fact that the Lord has spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us as well? And the Lord heard this. And then it says this, Now the man Moses was very humble more than any person who was on the face of the earth. So it uses humble here. Your version may very well say meek. And, and, and so it's describing Moses. Moses, it says, was very meek, different versions. I'm, I, I like my versions that say the words I, I like to use. You know, I know this from meek. But, but meek more than any other man. And, and what do we find is in this situation, he is being attacked and he's not defending himself. So he is being described as meek more than any other man. But remember, this is the Moses who went into Pharaoh's palace, right? Moses went into Pharaoh's palace and confronted him in his, on his own turf, in his own home playing field. He went into Moses, Pharaoh's palace where Pharaoh had his own magicians who said, look, we can turn staffs into snakes too. You know, and they, they thought they were so cool. And Moses went into his home. And he went in his home and he says, you, let my people go. Moses, do you picture Moses as a spineless wimp? Right? This is Moses who went to the Red Sea and held out his staff. Right? Please, waters part. <laughs> Can you picture that? This is Moses who confronted the people. He came down from the mountain with the Ten Commandments, and the people are partying around this calf, and he takes, the, takes the, the, the commandments, and he breaks them, and he takes the calf, and he grinds it to powder, and he makes them drink it, and he sends Levites out to kill people. Do you think Moses is a spineless little guy? Not remotely, but he is meek more than any man. What do we find? He's getting angry at the right times over the right things. What he's not getting angry about is himself. Wow. Meek. Not, not, not in self-defense, not in self-preservation or self-serving, but for the right things at the right time, in the right way. Good Way to go, Moses. I like you. Okay, Jesus. Of course, you all know Jesus, meek and mild. Where do we best know Jesus, meek and mild from? Let's try uh, Matthew chapter 21. Right? 
Matthew 21 is a good one to call Jesus meek and mild because it calls him meek in this passage. Jesus is riding into Jerusalem, meek, humble, mounted on a donkey, uh, the, the foal of a donkey. How's it say it? Verse 42 of, of uh, um, not 42, let's see, what do I want? Matthew 21, verse, uh, yeah. Say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a donkey. A few minutes later, they're singing, Hosanna to the son of David, blessed is he who comes, into the name, uh, comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. How do we know Jesus is meek? Because they describe him as meek, right? And now, look down about five verses. That was in verse five, oh, all the way to seven verses. Count down seven verses, five, add seven, you get verse 12. What happens in verse 12? Then Jesus entered the temple area and drove out all those who were buying and selling in the temple grounds. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who were selling doves. And he said, it is written, my house be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. So in verse 7, he's meek, riding on a donkey. And in verse 12, he's turning over tables. Now, here's your choice. Either Matthew was written by a human author who made an oopsie. Right? He was in a hurry, he got it published, and it was in print before he realized, oh, I shouldn't have put those two things so close together. Or the God of the universe preordained that Scripture would be written the way it is, and he put those two side by side. So that Jesus, who is meek, overturned the tables. You go, that's not meekness. Yes, it is, if we understand the word correctly. And I want you to understand, Jesus came in riding on a donkey, the foal of a donkey. He's, what's he doing? He's being humble in his own right for himself. He is not looking out for himself. He's not protecting. By the way, dads, your life is about your kids and your grandkids and, and your family and all that stuff, right? You work for them. You sacrifice for them. You give to them. That's, our life is about others. Of course, we all know it's about us. We like our toys. You know, the difference between men and boys, size of their toys. That's uh, but um, Jesus is, is humble, but he knows how to get angry. And when he gets angry, he gets angry about the right thing, in the right way, at the right time. Wow. Now, you understand why I say I can prove my meekness thing? <laughs> okay. We have Aristotle, from, from, you know, another Greek guy from back in the ancient days, uh, talking about what this word means. We have Moses in her, in, uh, describing it. We have Jesus describing it. Picturing it, illustrating it. Now let's go to Second uh, Timothy, uh, chapter two, and we have what here we have is an instruction, an instruction about meekness. Paul is talking to Timothy, and he's telling Timothy how to confront people he disagrees with. Okay, people who are teaching badly, how to how to how to confront them? Matthew chapter, or Second Timothy chapter two, starting at verse twenty-four. The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, skillful in teaching, patient when wrongs, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition. If perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth. Now, in English, we could easily miss that the word gentle here is the same word as meek in Matthew five. It's the same word. And, and because mine says gentle, it's consistent. With gentleness opposing those, uh, uh, with gentleness uh, correcting those who are in opposition. 
right? Uh, and so how do we deal with those who disagree with us? Well, we do it gently. But we don't do it weakly, W-E-A-K, or weekly, W-E-E-K, unless you guys are wrong, or every week you come after, after me and tell me what I got wrong. <laughs> then it's weekly. Uh, but uh, we have, we have uh, this example of meekness in the Bible. Uh, he's telling us how to do it. With gen- and, it's, and how can we do it gently? You know, and by the way, this is an ma- amazing trick to learn. Once, once, you get, once you recognize the truth of this, you recognize how, how effective it is. If, if, you, if somebody is opposing you, and you know you're teaching the truth, and you can uh, respond to them gently. No, here's why, here's why I said this. Here's where the Bible shows us, and, and this so. And you're just, just saying it. You're saying it gently. I understand what you got what you said, but here's, here's what it says. And you were gently correcting them, as opposed to the guy who's yelling and shouting and getting shrill. And, and which is more effective in an argument, a quiet, calm, steady voice or a shrill, shouting, angry voice? And the answer is, well, yeah, the calm one. It, that, that is, there is so much more power in that. It is so much more effective. And the problem is, is that we, fee- we get nervous. We forget that the strength is on our side. Uh, there, there's, I'm going to steal an illustration I was going to use later on. Uh, oh, I, I do have it here. So, um, you know, I have, I have worked with enough builders to, to have learned a couple things along the way. So imagine you are putting up a wall. You're putting up a, a two-by-four wall in an area, and it's tight. And it doesn't want to go into place because it's tight, but you know if you are able to push it, it will be good. It will be tight, a good fit, just like you like. So you take your little hammer, you know, your 16-ounce hammer, and you start beating on the board to get it into place. You beat, and you beat, and you beat, and you start shredding the board, and you're moving it in minute ways. Okay? Now, how do I know that? Because been there, done that. You take a sledgehammer, and you go pop and it moves into place and does no damage to the wood. Strength is able to be gentle. Weakness is not able to be gentle. Because we fear we don't have the strength with us, we get shrill and angry and all those things. But when we recognize we have the strength with us because we are accurately standing on God's word, we're the sledgehammer. And we can be gentle and do no damage to anything but fix things the way you want them. So, by the way, practical advice, if you're knocking a wall into, sh- into place, use a sledgehammer. <laughs> but it's, 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 it's a, a picture of how it works to speak the truth to people in real-life situations. And, and so he says, says, in gentleness, correcting those who are in opposition, if perhaps God may grant them repentance. And so we are called to be gentle. We are called to be meek. We, are called to, we have the strength, and we could be fierce, and we could be hard, but it accomplishes nothing or very little or does damage. And so we're called to be like this. So we have, we have you know, these two examples, this teaching and, and Aristotle, to help us understand uh, meekness. What Jesus is asking us to do is to keep our strength and our temper under control and use them in good ways. Now, guys, can you teach that to your sons? Go, yeah. Yeah, I can teach that to my son. If I can teach that to my son, I have accomplished a lot. Okay, this is, guess what? Meekness is manly. Congratulations, it's Father's Day. The meek will inherit the earth. Uh, Psalm 37, 11. Jesus appears to be quoting this, or at least referring to it, when he said, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And I started the, the, the scripture reading a little bit prior to that, because he says this, inherit the earth, twice. And, and in mine it says, inherit the land. 
He starts with verse 7. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not get upset because of the one who is, who is successful in his way, because of the person who carries out wicked schemes. Cease from anger and abandon wrath. Do not lead, get upset. It leads only to evil doing. For evildoers will be eliminated, but those who wait for the Lord will inherit the land. Yet a little while, and the wicked person will be no more, and you will look carefully for his place, and he will not be there. But the humble will inherit the land will delight themselves in prosperity. He gives two different reasons why they will inherit the land. One is because they wait for the Lord, and the other is because they are meek or humble, and they are, are trusting in Him. Two things seem to go together, waiting for the Lord and meekness. And so consider the example of Moses that we looked at just a few minutes ago. Uh, he did not defend himself when he was attacked, but he did what? He trusted God to take care of him. He waited on the Lord, right? And, and, and uh, uh, this requires patience, by the way, because in real life, I mean, in real life, we read that in three verses, right? Moses married a Cushite woman. Aaron and Miriam spoke against him. Now Moses was meek more than anyone else, and then God acts. Okay? Now, that's, that's how we read the verses. Now, do you think it happened that fast? Because I don't. <laughs> I don't think it happened that fast. I think there was a period of time where Moses just overlooked a repeated offense of them speaking against him. Because in real life, is that not the way it works? You know, there's a thing about faithfulness. God does not reward faithfulness until it's been proven faithful. <laughs> and you do not prove yourself faithful instantly. You prove yourself faithful over time. And I think, and I could be wrong, maybe it was instant. Maybe they said, uh, Moses, we don't like you, and, and we're special too. And Moses said, hmm. and God said, blast. <laughs> but I don't think so. I don't think so. I think it took time. I, I think it didn't happen bang, bang. One aspect of this meekness we're talking about is the ability not to act in our own defense, but to exercise self-control. And if you have to respond immediately to a, a, a seen offense, that's not meekness. If we wait for the Lord, the Lord will take care of us. And there's both a natural and a supernatural explanation for, for how this works. The natural is that the person who is, uh, first of all, we see the one who is not meek, is, is the one who seems to get his way. We, we read this again in Psalm 37. Uh, ver, he says, Do not get upset because of the one who is successful in his way, because of the person who carries out wicked schemes. Uh, he says, and he, what he? he's talking about the guy who stomps on people's heads to get ahead. You know, the guy who climbs the ladder of success over other people's backs, stepping on hands and feet and doing what it takes to get ahead. And so long as I get ahead, I don't care what happens to you. He's that guy appears to be moving ahead and succeeding. He appears to be getting his way. Uh, and so he's saying, don't be upset because of that guy, right? Do, do not get upset because of the one who is successful in his way. Cease from anger and abandon wrath. Do not get upset. It leads only to evildoers, for evildoers will be eliminated. But those who wait for the Lord, they will inherit the land. This guy pushes and shoves, and he seems to get what he, what he wants. Even in the natural world, though, you reap what you sow. You know, the person who does that, people see that. People know what to think. I once had someone talking about me in town. I can't believe that someone would talk about me in town. And, and I'm not saying in a positive way. I don't mind that. If you want to talk nice things about me, go ahead. But, but, uh, and, and I heard about it. And someone came up to me and they said, you know, this guy's saying this about you. And I, I kind of said, uh, oh, okay. Well, doesn't that bother you? Well, not really. Why not? Because people know the source, right? If <laughs> there are certain people you want to say bad things about you. <laughs> right? Uh, a person who has no enemies is, is not worth much. <laughs> there, there, there better be people who don't like some things you say and do, right? 
or else what good are you? She's uh, like, consider the source. And, and the person looking at me goes, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, ding. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I, would, I, I wouldn't mind if that person said bad things about me either. Uh, that person will pay a price. He will lose more than he gains, even if he gains what it looks like, he, what he thought he wants. But the person who is in control of his emotions, this is talking about the natural world. The person who is in control of his emotions and actions, who acts with restraint in proper ways, he not only gets what he's after, but he gains respect along the way. People learn to admire and respect and appreciate that person. He also reaps what he sows, and he inherits the earth. And that's the natural explanation. But there's also the supernatural explanation, which is, by the way, more super than the natural explanation. Uh, godly behavior has eternal benefits. Right? What we do here matters in eternity. Uh, the natural benefits do not always pay off in obvious ways, but the supernatural benefits will always pay off in, in obvious ways, uh, just not immediately. You know, th that, that's going to wait for its day, but it will come. The person who waits for the Lord gains benefits that will never perish, perish or fade. Thieves do not break in and steal. Moths do not eat, and rust does not cause it to decay. If we never see the blessing here, it is still waiting for us in eternity. And it is worth exercising control here to gain the reward there. So meekness. Meekness is not a manly sounding word. You know, I, it's like I wish we could invent a new word, you know, but it doesn't really work. It doesn't sound like the best word to focus on for Father's Day, does it? <laughs> but when we start finding what he's really saying, uh, strength under control, anger under control, the ability to respond right in tough, difficult situations. That is manly, guys, and that is what Jesus asks of us. Let's pray. Father God, I praise you for your word, that it is so good and so rich. Father God, I ask you to put in each of us an understanding of your, of your word and your will that we can be this man that you call us to be, that we can, can respond rightly in difficult situations. That, that when anger is called for, that we can be angry. Uh, Lord, that we have, that, have not lost that ability because of our misunderstanding of meekness, but that we can do rightly in all situations. We pray in Jesus' name.